Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. All right, well, let's dive in to this today. Um, we are in week four of our greatest commandment collection of talks. Week one, we talked about, anyone remember? Oh boy, I must not be doing good as a pastor. We talked about our heart. Week two, we talked about our soul. Week three, last week, we talked about our mind. And this week, what we're doing is we're actually uh, collaborating or, or putting together strength and love your neighbor, okay? And um, last week was really incredible. Uh, if you missed last week, I'm telling you, people, you got to come to church every week because every week is something new. Every week there's new revelation. There's new, uh, new. Uh, there, there's a new sense of what God is doing in the midst of our church and in the midst of this house and in the midst of your life. And so uh, last week, Katie just knocked it out of the park. She's the greatest preacher I've ever met in my life. Uh, and I just happened to be married to her, so it's even better. Um, but she impacted me in the way that I think and to reshape my brain and reform new pathways so I can see see uh, the good, and I can think thoughts like God. I'm not God. Thank the Lord, okay? Because I couldn't keep it all under control. But what I do is when I think about God, what then happens is my mind is renewed every single time. And then this week, uh, we are talking about strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12. Uh, you can go to Colossians, it's a free country, uh, or you could stay with me in Mark chapter 12. And what we see, a little bit of background, this has been our foundational text for the last few weeks, um, that what we have uh, really laid out as a framework, Jesus was in the temple courts, and his authority was questioned, okay? How many know, know questioning authority of Jesus is probably an interesting topic of discussion in a temple court? And here he is testing, or there be, he's being tested, and he tells three parables. And then what happens is some guys get together. This is how I imagine it in my head. Some guys get together, and they're the religious leaders of the day, and they're trying to trap Jesus. And they're trying to get him to uh, really, um, I would probably say, get him to prove his, what, what he's saying is not true. And so here we pick up in, uh, in chapter 12, verse 28. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, Of all the commandments, couldn't you hear in the most religious voice, Of all the commandments, which is most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now he is quoting Deuteronomy 6 right here in this next uh, portion. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then now he goes on to quote Leviticus 19.18, uh, and it says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And then the teacher, or the, then, then the, the, uh, the leader says, well, said teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. 
And from then on, no one dared ask him a question because Jesus is savage and he just answered it. And he was like, done. Okay, he closed the book on that right there. I love that. I love that that's how Jesus is. He just shuts the book. And so for, for the next few moments, uh, we're going to talk about this whole idea of strength and opportunity. Look at your neighbor and say strength and opportunity. Look at the one that you neglected and say strength and opportunity. Okay, let's pray one last time. It's going to be very Pentecostal. Jesus, be with us. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's give it up for our Facebook family. We're so grateful that you're here, Facebook. What's so cool is people go, well, why do you set up Facebook? Like, why do you have the, the face, Facebook Live? Um, Pastor Bob was in Switzerland last week watching it. You know, that's why we do it. Uh, Lucas's mom watches from Brazil. You know, so we have a worldwide audience by Facebook. And so we just want to welcome you and say thank you that you're here. Uh, how many have ever exercised in your life? Okay, just checking. Just wanted to check. Uh, maybe you did physical education. I love to work out. Um, it's, it hasn't, as I've aged, I've decided that I really like to work out. It's actually becomes a hobby. It's sometimes a point of contention between my wife and I uh, because of how much I enjoy doing it. It's, you know, I do it in the morning. I do it at home. Uh, I just enjoy the physical activity of working out. And I specifically do CrossFit. So I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, I like burpees. I like squats. I like push-ups. I like just burning my lungs to pieces uh, because that's the way. It's a high high intensity interval training. It's called HIIT workout. And so you do things for shorter distances or for shorter times, but you try to do as many as you can. Or there's different workouts. Uh, recently, there was one that they celebrate on Memorial Day. It's called the Murph. It's a mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and then a mile run with a 20-pound weight vest on you. Yeah, you're a glutton for punishment when you do CrossFit. But one thing I've found about working out is this whole idea of strength. Because oftentimes we look at strength as in physical form and we think people can be physically large and they can have more strength because of their size and their mass. But I have found that in CrossFit, it's actually completely wrong. Because I see guys that are smaller than me and ladies that are smaller than me physically, but they can do things that I can't do because of the strength that's not seen. It, oh, it got quiet. That, that happens, I think, and I think it's significant in what Jesus is trying to set up here when he says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. What he's saying to us today is that, is that strength is not always seen on the outside. Strength is seen on the inside. And the reason why I like CrossFit is because it's functional fitness. You know, the reason why I like the Bible is because it's functional to the things that I do every day, Right? When Jesus says, love your neighbor, he's t telling us to love our neighbor. When he's saying, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, that's what you're doing. But I love the idea that CrossFit is functional, meaning uh, what they say is motion is lotion. You ever heard that before, anybody? Well, it's so quiet in here. You guys, I, I'm talking about working out, so you all are fearful. Um, but the whole idea of motion is lotion, meaning that functional fitness of sitting down and standing up, that's a squat. We all do it, right? You're all sitting down right now. You're eventually, hopefully, going to get up. And that comes by strength training and actually doing it. And so strength is often not seen. It's unseen. And I think that, the, that this passage is so cool, is that Jesus is saying that when you love the Lord your God with all your strength, you're actually loving him with everything that you have. Because what's so interesting in this collection of talks that we've done is that we have seen what it means to love the Lord your God with all your strength, soul, you know, all of those things. And a lot of that is internal. 
And I think that the strength side is internal. And what happens is the strength side that's internal gives us and it activates something that's external in our life to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when I look at this, I study, I try to go back to the original translation. Um, because it's really easy to think things get lost in translation. If you study the Bible, uh, it can be really difficult because sometimes words translate different than in the, Eng- in the English language. And so I wanted to encourage myself to go back to the Greek. And so I went back to the Greek, uh, and I often do this, and the word for strength is ischus, ischus, which means strength, might, or the usage of power, might, force, or ability. And then in the Hebrew, it, it's miad, which means force or abundance. And so, as we have seen in this collection of talks, I have seen the force, I have seen, really, I, I've, we have dove into what it really means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. We really have, I haven't studied this passage of scripture like this in my life, and what it's done is it's radically altered the way that I see how I love people, and how I love my neighbor. Because what it's happened is it's turned the, the, the lens back into me to go, what, where am I lacking where I need to see God move in my life? Where am I lacking personally in loving other people? Where am I lacking where I need to renew my mind so my mind can be like the mind of Christ? I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me that I need to get a little bit more Jesus in my life so I can love a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I, I just really believe that we need to love differently. And when, when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, he's saying with all your cardia, with all your labab, everything that is inside of you, love him. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. We talked about the borrowed breath of God. And if you weren't here for loving the Lord your God with all your soul, I asked the question, does your soul have a home? And what happens is God gave us the physical breath of himself. And so every, everyone just take a deep breath. <sighs> that was borrowed from God. That's not yours. Because God actually breathed his life into Adam so that he could, Adam could have life. Adam was in physical form, but he didn't actually have life till he had breath. And so we are living on the borrowed breath of God. And then love the Lord your God with all your mind. Dinoah which is deep thought, thinking on things, not what's around us, but elevating our level of thinking. I think that when we elevate our level of thinking, we elevate our level of life. Whoa, you guys are so quiet today. Are you really into this? Man, geez. But, But when you elevate your level of thinking, you elevate your level of life. Meaning when I think on things of God and I don't think on things of Todd, my life becomes elevated. Really. Because when I can think on things of my circumstance or my situation or my income or uh, my uh, influence or my things, I can think on things around me, but then what happens is my problem's not going to change because I'm not thinking about the person that can change my problem. I'm thinking about myself. And when we think about ourselves, what happens is we lose the aspect of loving who God is because we need ourselves to die off so that we can see God more, right? And now this week... Love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all the force. So when we activate these things, when we activate these things on a daily basis, these four things, what happens is we see an outward movement of God moving in our life. Because we're activating things internally, and then we, because we see things differently. We see things the way that God sees things. We, sees, we, we, sees, we see people the way God sees people. And that's the way that I want to see people, because there's only two things that are eternal. You know that? There's only two things that are, that are eternal. People 
and God. People and God. You can't take your hearse. You can't take anything with you. You can't take any of your belongings. Nothing else is eternal. It's only people and God. So I know I want to look through the lens that God has given me to love my neighbor, to love somebody else outside of what I see inside of me. And so with that as the baseline, and he's establishing Jesus is a, is a man, or God is a man of order, or God is a, of order. When he created, when he did creation, he didn't create, uh, he, he didn't create the water before he created light, you know, right? He didn't, he, he's a God of order. He created things in order. And so here he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then once you do that, you love your neighbor as yourself because you're training yourself to do that. Can you love your neighbor without perfecting all of those things? Yes, because none of us have perfected those four things. So we, but what happens is when we work on those four things, it then activates us to love our neighbor because we see like God sees. We don't see like we see any longer. And so uh, are you guys good with me? Are you still here? Just checking, just checking, want to make sure. So God establishes order. And then you notice something that he says, love the Lord your God. He says, love those things one time. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that word love is agape. And that means unconditional. And so when you think about your neighbor <laughs> that has the fence that you aren't really thrilled about, or they make all of the noise and they keep you up at night, or um, I don't know, just fill in the blank of what your neighbor frustrates you about. You're supposed to love them unconditionally. I have a neighbor uh, that, um, <laughs> that one time uh, I altered his day because I backed out uh, of my uh, driveway a little too soon and he had to wait for me to actually pull out. And since then, every time he's driven by our house, I've been outside for whatever reason and he's pretty angry with me. For, uh, from that moment, I mean, he's, he yells at me and he's like kind of mad and I'm like, oh, geez, this isn't good. And so I just every time like, I just wave and smile. Hey, I'm so happy you're, you know, like you drive by my house, you know, because I need to activate more love in my life, right? I need to show it unconditionally. And you know what, you know what we also need to do? We need to do it at home. We need to show unconditional love to the people that are across the table from us. There are so many times in our life that what happens is we go home and we ignore our neighbors that are closest to us, which is our kids and our family. It's our spouse. And we ignore them, and then we wonder why we fight all the time. It's because we aren't actually having intentional time together, heart to heart, soul to soul, having conversation. I've uh, recently uh, leaned off of social media. I'm posting very little. I'm liking really nothing, uh, unless it has to do with the church or it has to do with my wife. Um, but I just pulled back. And the reason is I wanted to be more intentional about my time with my family. Because I could sit on my social media and scroll. And I'm not judging you if you do this. It's awesome. But I just could sit there and scroll. And I looked at how much time I've wasted just scrolling, like in, a, in the course of a day. I did, last, yesterday I told Katie, I, did, I was only on my screen for 45 minutes for Facebook or social networking. It was actually shorter than I worked out. <laughs> I was really proud of that anyways. Um, and so I'm sitting there because I want to be more intentional about loving my neighbor. So when I'm at dinner or I'm at lunch yesterday with my daughter and, 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 and son and wife and I'm sitting there and I'm completed my meal, I could have went and got on social media. But I said, baby, come over here. And I brought my daughter onto my lap and we just had intentional time of talking and hugging and loving and saying, I love you and saying you're beautiful because she needs that 
Because I need to train her up and I need to love her like a man should love a woman. And so I want to make sure that I'm intentional. And we all have to start being intentional about loving the neighbor that's across from us. Agape, unconditional love. But then I thought about this whole idea of unconditional love and I thought about um, having children. I remember um, when before we got married, I loved my wife. And then we got married and I really loved my wife, and she loved me back. And all of a sudden, there's a product of a child that came onto our scene because of our love. And I thought to myself, so often when uh, we, had, we were getting ready to have Carter, I thought, how am I going to love more? You ever have those thoughts? How can I love more? My capacity to love, how can I love more? Because I love my wife, and there's there's no, no one on this planet like my wife, and I love her with, who, with everything that she is, but how can I love more? Well, then all of a sudden, we have Carter. And I realize my capacity to love actually doesn't decrease or doesn't split, it increases. It increases. It grows. When I activate love in my life, it grows bigger, and I have more capacity in my heart to love. And then we have Kennedy. And I'm like... Am I going to, how's this going to work? You, you parents that have multiple children, you get it. You understand, like, when you're pregnant with that set, you're like, how's, how's this going to work in the family dynamic? How am I going to love more? How, and it's a girl. How am I going to love a girl? I've only known how to love a little boy. How am I going to love a little girl? And my capacity is, like, kind of nervous again. And then all of a sudden, here she comes, and I go, my capacity to love multiplies. And that's the thing. Your capacity to love increases the more you activate that idea of love in your life. And so I think it's interesting that the more I'm in love with Jesus, the more I find ways to love his people. The more I'm in love with Jesus, the more I love his people. The more I want to do for his people. The more I see that we can make a difference in our community to love people more. Because we got to love our neighbor. We have so many people hating on each other. Think about it. Just go to the store. You'll see people. I mean, I've seen guys, grown men fist fighting in the store over a can of soup. It's like, who cares? Honestly, we're, we're always at odds. And the only way that things are going to change is if we love better. And I think that it's a call on the church to rise up and love better. We've messed it up often. We've done it so often. We've messed it up and we said, you got to get yourself together before you can learn love or before you can receive love. And you know what? I came to church pretty broken. And I was raised in the church. And that's a part of my story that no one said, hey, you need to clean up. You need to clean up to come in here so we can love you. You have to fit this form and this function so that we can love you. No, we as the church have a mandate to love people regardless what they look like, regardless if they can give anything to us. We have to love them because it's what our call is to do. Amen. And you're the difference maker. It's not just me as the pastor of this house. Everywhere you go, you can make a difference. You can be intentional. I have some tools to do that here in a second. So how do I love my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor? I'm going to look back to a story, and it's earlier in Jesus' ministry. It's in Luke 10.25. It won't be on the screens. I'll just paraphrase it. And what's interesting is, is it's, a, it's around, it's surrounding this same idea of, uh, of loving your neighbor. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm just going to read the first part, and then I'll tell the story if you, if you aren't familiar with it. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And then Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? He replied, how do, I, how do you read it? Listen what the man says. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That wasn't Jesus talking. That was a man, a lawyer, quoting the book of the law. So here's Jesus talking to this lawyer, this expert. And then Jesus goes on to talk about a parable that many of us know called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And what happens? This man is going on an 18-mile journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as he's on this 18-mile journey, some thugs beat him up and take everything he's got. And here he is laying for dead on the side of the road. Well, then you have this man that walks by. He's a priest. You know, a guy that should probably love his neighbor, right? A priest, you know, pastor, fill in the blank. <laughs> you know, I mean, like he should probably love that person. But what happens is he's too busy looking at what his schedule, his itinerary, everything that's in front of him to actually go and stop and do what he was supposed to do to begin with. He was so consumed about getting to the next place that he didn't think about the current situation. So that's one guy. Then you have the Levite, a social worker, second in command to the priest. He was standing there and he saw this man and he goes, well, what do I do? What do I do with this man? And so he crosses over to the other side. And I think it's partly because he felt unqualified to actually help the man. And I think many of us do that too. It's not just about loving the person that's holding the sign that says, we'll work for food, or I need money, homeless vet. It's not just loving that person. It's loving the person that is your next door neighbor that might not have groceries. Or it might be they have everything, but they need your love. They need your smile. They need your compassion. And so here he is, he's thinking, oh, I'm not qualified. I can't handle that. That problem's too big. So I'm going to just Step to the other side of the road. I'm going to get away from that. I'm going to let someone else deal with it. And that's what the church has done for a long time. We've said, we're going to let other people deal with problems in our world. And God is saying, you know what? Church, you better rise up and take care of this business. You better love your community different. You better take care of these people and love them. And then you have the Samaritan. And the Samaritan is what? He's at, uh, the, the Jewish people actually classified Samaritan as less than human. Think about that. That's how, and maybe you feel like, like that today. Moments, you felt like you felt so less than. Well, I'm here to remind you that you are greater than because you serve a God that's amazing and he loves you and he didn't make a mistake. I don't know why I needed to pause and tell somebody that today. Maybe it's on Facebook, but God didn't make a mistake. He loves you and cares for you. But here's this Samaritan who is, sees this, this Jewish man that's beaten up. And rather than going, I'm going to wait for somebody else to take the problem. I'm going to look at somebody else. No, he actually physically does it. He bandages up his wounds. He puts him in, on his donkey. He takes him to the inn. He actually gives him two denarii, which is two days wages, and says, you know what? I'll come back, and whatever bills he has, I'll still pay up. Because that's what loving your neighbor looks like. The Samaritan took care of the man. That's what Jesus is talking about, loving your neighbor as yourself. And we have an opportunity in these few moments to love our neighbor as well. We have an opportunity to receive our Pentecost offering. And what that's an opportunity is you can activate love. You, and you know what? I love this about love is that you unconditional love is loving people or loving things that can never give anything back to you. That family in Mexico that we're going to build a home for, 
We aren't going there to go, oh, we're going to get something back. from. We, we, we expect interest on this. We expect you to return some investments to it. No, we're going out of love. And you all are a part of that. And maybe you can't physically go. But you know what? By sowing a seed financially, that's love. That's love. That's taking care of God's people. That's giving the resources that we have. So I'm going to give you just some practical things uh, on how to love. Just how to love our neighbor. And so love is proactive. It's not reactive, it's proactive. It's easy to overlook the needs of others because we're so consumed with the needs of ourselves. It's easy to sit there and, and look at our needs. I, you know, like, I, I think that we need to be activating things where we need to see the needs of others above the needs of ourselves from time. And I'm not saying you, you always do that. You also have to self-care. But I think, wouldn't it be great if like, you, know, you did some random acts of kindness this week? You just loved your neighbor. Maybe you paid for the Starbucks drink behind you. Or maybe you went and you paid for somebody's lunch. And you were proactive rather than reactive. Because sometimes what we do is someone gives us love. And then we go, oh, thank you. And then we're all happy. But what happens if we're on the giving side of it? And we aren't expecting anything in return. We're just giving. Love is proactive. Just like the man was proactive, the Samaritan, he was proactive in loving that man. He didn't wait. He actually said, I'm going to do something about it. He was proactive. The priest and the Levite, they were reactive. And they were like, nope, too big, done. Love is observant. One of the first steps of being a good neighbor and loving others as yourself is noticing others. Noticing others. Getting out of our own head. Getting off ourselves, thinking of ourselves less and thinking of others more. That's called humility. It's called loving others, being observant. The Samaritan first saw the hurting man. I love that, that he saw him. He didn't just go, oh, he's sick. I'm gonna. He saw the need, and what he did is he met the need. He was observant. How often do we go on our way and we miss someone around us? Even in our own home, I said it before. We walk around our whole life. And we forget about the person that's in front of us or maybe the person that's in the cubicle next to us that could use your prayers or it could use your love or it could use a little hug or it could use a high five or it could give a good job. Be observant to those around you. Next, love is compassionate. Luke 10.33 goes on to state that when the Samaritan saw the injured man, he had compassion on him. And compassion, I think the root word of compassion is passion, Right? And so we have to be passionately compassionate for, the, for other people. He went towards the injured man and responded to the needs rather than simply feeling sorry for him. Next, love is healing. Love is healing. After the Samaritan bound up the wounds, he continued taking care of him and, or, and took him to the inn and looked after him. I, I don't know about you, but I've experienced healing from people taking care of me when I needed it. When I've had coaches or leaders or that, that, that just reaches out to me and says, hey, you know what, I've noticed that you're struggling here. Any way I could help you? You know, we need to be people that are healing of other people. We, we, but this is the thing. It's not our job to change anybody. It's not our job. Let me take the pressure off you. It's not your job to change a soul. It's God's job to change that. Your job is to love people and love people unconditionally. So you have to make sure that you are compassionate and you're healing in your love. Band, you can join me. Love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. Think about that for a moment. The Samaritan gave two denarii. So he gave his hard-earned cash so that he could bless somebody else that couldn't give anything back to him. He gave him two days' wages. Yet, 
the only instructions he gave is to take care of the wounded. I don't care what else, he's, he, what else needs to be taken care of. I'm going to continue to take care of him. It was sacrificial. He was taking care of the man. There was a sacrifice involved. And we, going to Mexico, there's a physical sacrifice to those that go. Trust me, you are sore. <laughs> you are sore. But every time you pound that nail or make a cut, what happens is you're feeling the labor of love. You're realizing that you're sacrificing. Those of you that can't go but give financially, the hard-earned money that you have that you sow faithfully into this house and into this community to make, a, to make a, a difference and really meet a need in a community is far beyond what you could even understand in your faithfulness because you're sacrificing some pretty incredible things like the Good Samaritan. Love is costly. Love is costly. You know? Because it's, when you love people, it can hurt sometimes, right? Okay, I guess I'm the only one that ever has been hurt by a person. <laughs> Kate, have we, have, you've been hurt? Yeah, we've all been hurt. We've been hurt in some capacity, but it's costly. It costs something to love. He gave his own resources. He gave his own resources. One of the most valuable resources that we have is our time. When was the last time that you sacrificed some time? to love somebody, to maybe just sit in a house of maybe somebody that's elderly, that has no way of getting around on a regular basis, or maybe they're, uh, they're shut in or whatever. When was the last time? Maybe it's your own family that you've been ignoring. You know, and I'm not saying this condemning. What I'm saying this is to reframe our thinking so that we can love different. Know my heart. My heart is not to go and be pushing down. My heart is actually to be lifting up to encouraging us to love other people. Get the mind off, off, off ourselves. Go to the restaurant and love somebody. Tell them, talk to your server and ask them about whatever's going on in their life. Love them. Ask about their kids if they have them. Ask about their family. Oh, well, that's going to be too much. Well, we're called to love people. The greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. We got to start doing that, friends, actively. Love is responsive. When the Samaritan saw the man, he responded immediately. And he helped meet the man's need. He bound up his wounds using the resources that he had in his hand. It's really powerful when we utilize what we have in our hands to make a difference. And we have an opportunity to use what's in our hands to practically love a neighbor. Love a neighbor that's right next door to us, 45 minutes away. That's incredible, the idea of the poverty. Did you know that by going and sowing into this and building, um, and building the house for them, you actually elevate and accelerate their life by 10 years? By 10 years. You know what happens? Test scores actually start to rise. The family has more confidence because they know where they're, they're going to sleep and they have shelter. Think about it for a moment if you didn't have shelter today. We were on the beach the other day, hiking Torrey Pines, and we saw a man that was living in his car. And I just felt ridiculous compassion. Because I'm like, I don't know that guy's story because I'm... I could be one paycheck away from a different life. I could be one injury away from a different life. I could be one car accident away from a different life. I mean, you don't know. But I know one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to live and love with reckless abandon with the borrowed breath of God that I have in my lungs for this moment right here. 
and I'm going to love radically the way Jesus loved others radically. He didn't sit on the sidelines saying, you change it, people, 12 disciples. No, he trained them to change it, so then they came and changed the world. And he equipped them to do so, and we're equipping you to do the same thing. We can go. We're giving you opportunities as the local church to love our community.